The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Network. You're listening to Jones and Brown. Both of you the crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. Hey, that is Jonesy. My name is Brown. Welcome to the show. We are talking Eagles today. Got to talk these Eagles because they're going through some changes. Last time we met with you guys, Doug Peterson was fired. He's out. He's gone. He's old news. His office is clean. It's empty. His bags are packed, and he now has a replacement. He has been replaced. Now, I got I to tell you something, man. They replaced him. They, they replaced him with Nick Sirianni. I have been struggling with this because my son used to play football with a kid named Dean Sirianni, like when he was a kid. And this is like years ago, but I like mm-hmm. the kid. So every time I talk about this Eagles coach, I keep on wanting to call him Dean Sirianni. <laughs> and I'm telling you, there is a good chance. There is a real good chance that I will call this man Dean Sirianni during this show. Shout out to Dean Sirianni. Love playing with you, man. You know, you, you was a good kid, man. You, you was a beast in, in peewee football back, you know, <laughs> back in the 75-pound uh, days. But look. <laughs> what year was that? Oh, my goodness. Uh <laughs> Don't, someone, don't do it. I'm not going to put the it. gear. Oh, uh, goodness. Like, my son was like in the first or second grade. But uh, <laughs> but 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 that's the impact that he has. That, that now that they've, they've hired him, I, I keep on wanting to call this. I want to call the coach Dean. And first of all, and also I want to call the coach a kid, even though he's pretty much our age. You know, it's like, oh, man, I don't know what to do with this kid. That's a grown man. <laughs> This coach is a grown man, but I want to call. But I, I, I want to call him kid. But I, I really wanted to get you in here because I want your thoughts, like straight up and down. There's no need to, you know, to to sugarcoat this. The guy is here. The head coach has been hired. Mike Jones, what are your thoughts? All right, you have video right now to be able to see. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm looking right so- at you. I, I am looking so right at you. what I need you. you to do is explain to the people listening at home what my face looks like after you ask me that question. Like, right. What what are my thoughts? <sighs> I well let me let me. Did, did, do you did that portray yeah, what, yes. my thoughts to you? Yes, because I feel like. We we try to be objective on this show, even though we both admit and we both acknowledge that we are fans. We are not paid analysts. We are not your quote unquote experts or insiders. We're just two guys with a couple of microphones and act, uh, who, who like to be on Facebook every now and then. However, I feel like There's not a lot to be excited about, about this pick. And I feel like, yeah, we might be pleasantly surprised. 
this guy might be the guy. We could be having this conversation two, three seasons from now, and you really like, you know what? Okay, this guy turned out to be okay. It could be it. It could be all right. But I understand that in my thinking of that, I am truly looking at this through eagle green colored glasses. Because right now, my first thought when they said Nick Sirianni was first, they hired my man Dean Sirianni that played with my son. Like, who is it? Like, like who? Okay, so all jokes aside, mm-hmm. you know, looks of confusion and all that being what they are. When you tell me they hired Nick Sirianni, I'm really thinking, is there anybody I could call to find out anything about this guy? Because I really just don't know. I know he's been with the Colts for the last couple of years. But I also know that Frank Wright's been the play caller. So, unless I get to talk to someone who's really been inside the Colts organization and is willing to speak honestly on the record, it's going to be hard for me to know what to expect from Nick Sirianni other than what my gut is telling me that with the reports that came out earlier during the season that Frank Reich was possibly the only person in the NFL that Carson Wentz trusted, they went to go try to get a piece of fruit off of that tree and see what they can do to hopefully salvage Carson Wentz. That's where my thoughts went. So you believe that the sentiment and did you believe that from the very start that this is, this is about saving Carson Wentz. I feel like Carson. That is what I believed at first. You believe it when you, when you saw this, you believe that that this was was about. That's what I believed when I heard this. Okay. But I feel like that is a train of thought that I've, I've kind of fought going along because you and I, you, you and I, especially as we've been doing this podcast, I feel like collectively we have tried Mm -hmm. to maintain like a level above your everyday father not trying to really fall into the pitfalls that that your stereotypical Philly fan might 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 fall into. Mhm. You know that if you're a fan of the Philadelphia football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, you know you you're signing up for the backup quarterback always being more popular than the than the starter. You know, you're always going to feel if you're a Philadelphia sports fan, you always know that there are going to be a pocket of fans who feel like if the team ain't winning, blow it up and start over. That's all, you know, that's always going to be the case. Mm -hmm. So there has been a, there's always been a narrative, probably now for about two seasons, 
that Carson Wentz is kind of a prima donna. He rubs people in the locker room the wrong way. People aren't necessarily sold on him as a leader. And I feel like that's that's all that's always been out there. And I feel like that's something that if the team ain't winning, that's going to be that narrative that always keeps creeping back into, you know, the mindset and the chatter. Mm-hmm. So you have a team that didn't make the playoffs. What are you going to hear? Hey, they they, they must not like – if they're not winning, they, they must not like the quarterback. Well, I mean, that's the nature of the beast. And I yeah. know we hear this all the time, but in the NFL – when you win, the quarterback gets the credit. When you yep. lose, the quarterback gets the blame. Yes. That comes, especially when you're on your second or beyond contract, where you're no longer a rookie making rookie money, but you're making NFL veteran QB money, mm-hmm. which is $30 million plus in, in today's market. People are going to hold you accountable. So whether or not it's fair to put that much responsibility in the lap of Carson Wentz. Mm -hmm. That is what comes with the territory when you are making that much of that higher percentage of the salary cap in a hard cap sport, you know, Mm -hmm. well, I need that kind of production to justify that giving you that higher percentage of my salary cap. And so, so I don't really see any way around that argument, that discussion. But isn't the reality more they are financially they're they're, they're kind of they're financially tied to Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. You know that's just, you know that just is what it is. He signed a contract; they're into him for another couple of years. So at least it, another two years. So it would mix season and the one beyond. So it would behoove them before they make a we you know. As fans, we don't care about salary cap. We don't care about financial ties. We don't. We don't care about that. We care about the fact that the team ain't winning. Mm, well, most of us don't. I, well, you, well, you well, don't look, be well look, enough look, to look. know that, that those numbers are always going through. Yeah, yeah but, 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 but you, but you also know the the people who. The average follow, fans not thinking about yeah, cap implications. Yeah, they know that the team ain't winning. And they know that the team beat the Saints with the backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. That's what you see. You don't necessarily see one in four down, you know, down the stretch. You see, hey man, they beat the Saints, and you know, I I saw a couple uh, a couple really nice plays. Right, so let, the let team is instantly question, better JB. with the with the backup. JB, let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. With the backup question, who, as you noted, is always the most popular guy. Mm-hmm. Did you see enough from him that you'd say he's a NFL starting quarterback? No, I saw enough for him to say that he is an NFL play. He is an NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. He can play quarterback in the NFL. But the question but, is, but, is he or, a starting know, quarterback in the NFL? You know, all right. I will. Yes, say, he belongs in the league. Yeah, he belongs in the league. Is he a? Can he start? Yes. Now, I, I will say this. Should he start? I I know I'm going to sound like I'm ducking your question. Oh, you already but, sound like that. Okay. Well, I'm asking you. I'm asking you to indulge me for a second because right. I I do I am truly going to answer your question. Just okay. get. I'm a, I'm asking for a little bit of rope. Feel free. 
I believe that he has proven that if you need someone to start a game, he can play. I don't know if he's a franchise quarterback. I'm not sold on Jalen Hurts as a franchise quarterback. I think he is a starter. Uh, excuse me. I think he is an NFL player. Mm-hmm. I think he. I think in the sense that, in if you put him on a team and you need someone to start a game, he could do it. Are you asking him to start sixteen games? Oh. Are you saying this is going to be the quarterback that's going to lead me to a Super Bowl? Uh, I don't know about that. Are you okay. asking me if this is a quarterback that's going to lead me to a division championship? Okay. Uh, I don't know about let, that. Let, let, let's simplify the question. Okay. When you look at his, his performance on the field, his completion percentage, his touchdown to interception ratio, his fumbles – his deep ball, which was fairly good, mm-hmm. the short and intermediate balls where he absolutely showed some accuracy issues, the fumbling issues, you take all that into account and then ask this, answer this question for me. Okay. Given what you saw, at this point, if Carson Wentz was not here, forget the whole Carson Wentz competition. Mm. If Wentz was not in Philadelphia, would you be comfortable going into next season with Hurts as your quarterback? No. No. That's all I needed to know. No. No, I would not. No, I would not. I think he – I think he – I think at the very most, giving him all the credit that he deserves – he played well enough for there to be a competition to go into the next season and compete for the job. However, you have a quarterback who has a bigger, a bigger body of work, mm-hmm. who has a, a body of work that transcends what you saw last season. Like it's not like you're talking about a quarterback who has struggled throughout his career. At he had one, one bad year. He had a bad year, but he also had a year where he played at a MVP type level. Mm-hmm. He and a couple of other years that were somewhere in between the two. Yeah. So if you have someone who played who had a year where he played at the highest level at a level where you're talking about does where you're asking legitimately does he belong with the Aaron Rodgers and uh, you know the top tier I'm not saying he does or does not but I'm saying that at one point in time you were asking was Carson Wentz there mm-hmm. you know yes I understand he he wasn't there last year I understand that however you have that and you're fi- you're financially committed to him. Why wouldn't you try to see if you could do whatever it takes to see if you can salvage that guy? Why not do whatever it takes to salvage that guy? He was a guy at one point in time teammates loved him. Mm-hmm. I don't know, you know, it's it's 
that's the problem. You know, you hear these stories that people, you know, people are talking to their sources and you hear the sources story, the unnamed sources story. And it always seems to be someone who doesn't live in this city, who does, who's not around this team every day. Like you never hear, these aren't the stories that Jeff McClain is reporting. These aren't the stories that Les Bowen are, are reporting. These aren't Dave Zingaro. These aren't Zach Berman. It's somebody who lives in Denver. Somebody who lives in Los Angeles. Someone who lives in Detroit. Someone who lives in Miami. Some national. national Some that yeah, exactly. So with it's, an agenda to push. With an agenda to push, and that's the problem, because it's like yeah, you, you hear the stories, and when you hear the stories, yeah, you 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 want to give them a level of credit. But it's like, all right, let's look at the reality of it. You're telling me that a player that has a problem with Carson is what is in that locker room. And I guess, yeah, you know, it, it might have changed, you know, with, with COVID, you know, the beat reporters aren't in the, necessarily in the locker room with them anymore. But still, you're still talking, you're, you're telling me that people are walking past Derek Gunn, past Dave Zingaro, Past Zach Berman, past Jeff McClain, past Lef, uh, Les Bowen, mm-hmm. and talking to Josina Anderson, or talk, talking to talking, you know, talking to Adam Schefter. Adam Schefter talked about talking talked about Carson Wentz winning a trade. Mm-hmm. Whole city blew. Up. How could he but, do that? How could he? Let's do- be clear. Mm-hmm. What? Adam Schefter said was yeah. not repeat was not reporting. No, he was speculating. He was quite clear that he was speculating. Speculating that Wentz may want to trade if yes. it went a certain way. Yes, that was, and he was clear about that. It yes. was speculation, not a report. He didn't say some anonymous source in the, from the locker room said this. But that, but here's the thing: it's it's like all right. I say this because. In this it in this world of Philly sports fandom, where social media plays such a huge part, where social media plays such a huge, huge part, it's like you're as much as things change, things stay the same. Mm-hmm. Whereas. People will hear rumors and just run with them. People people hear what they want to hear and then build their own narrative. Like you said, you just said it. Adam Schefter was very clear in the fact that he was speculating. But this whole, you know, I shouldn't say the whole city, but a lot of people lost their minds thinking Carson Wentz was asking out of town. Oh man, the whole narrative. You you were in the city to see it. Yeah. It it really was gained a life of its own yeah, for a it, couple weeks. Yeah. Later, like. and, and 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 the problem is the clarification is never as is never as loud yeah. as the uh, as the claim. As the original yeah. claim. Mm-hmm. Whereas when Adam Schefter clarified that, hey, I was just speculating. I'm not saying that this is what he wants. This is what he wants to do, whatever, whatever. But it's like, it, it's, you know, it's, it's out there now. 
It's out there, and it feeds that narrative that Carson Wentz is weak-minded. Carson Wentz uh, is fragile. Carson Wentz doesn't want to compete. Carson Wentz doesn't want whatever. And the problem is, you and I, we have talked about what we felt was wrong with this with this team. And the problem is, there's enough blame to go around. Oh, absolutely. Carson Wentz was the problem. Carson Wentz was part of the problem. Absolutely. You're not going to sit here. You're, you're oh, not going to. In the 2020 season, he was a bit large chunk of the He problem. was a large chunk of the problem. And we, and look, you can sit there wherever you find your podcast. You can go to our archives and you can hear or see us go in on Carson Wentz. Mm-hmm. But the problem was not just Carson Wentz. The problem was Doug Peterson and his play calling. The problem was the players that Howie Roseman drafted, the players that Howie Roseman signed, the players that Howie Roseman re-signed. So as far as so as far as I know, when you look at the six, the, the the Eagles going into 2021, you you see them only actually addressing one part of this problem. Howie Roseman is still there. Mm-hmm. Howie Roseman is still going to run this next draft. Carson Wentz is still there, and it looks like they are moving to unless Carson Wentz just sits on his behind, eats Oreo cookies, drinks beer all season, all off season long, does not work out, and comes in and looks ten times worse than he did at the when he got benched last season. Carson Wentz is going to be the starting quarterback, or maybe Jalen Hurts somehow works out and just says, "You know what? I'm just going to be that beast, and I'm just going to work out all off season." And just comes in next season and looks like. The second will, coming of I, Johnny Unitas. I will say this. I don't know how going into next season you can keep Jalen Hurts on the roster. I don't know how you can do it. Mm. Like this with everything that's happened, all the stuff that's going on, and especially when you consider everything that this Eagles team needs to get back to the upper half, the upper part of the league competing for playoffs and division titles and eventually, hopefully, a one-point-again championships, there are a lot of holes to fill. And if you can get value for a quarterback that you probably shouldn't have drafted in the second round to begin with, do it especially when you factor in everything else that's going on and around a certain situation. And maybe that would, maybe Carson Wentz feeling like the team does actually have plans to build around him without having to look over his shoulder. Maybe that will help him. I don't know. I hope that wasn't his problem that he had to look over his shoulder, but it is what it is. We just need the Eagles need to move past this at that point, and I don't see how they move forward with Hurts on the roster. I I think, and this might be a stretch, but I think, given what Car- given what we we actually know, and I'm talking past past speculation, 
past, you know, hearsay or whatever. One thing that we have talked about, Carson Wentz is a creature of habit. Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz was somebody who needed to who who needed to learn mechanics and needed to have mechanics drilled into him. That was mm-hmm. part of what it took to coach Carson Wentz. Carson Wentz was somebody who usually spent the offseason at least a couple of weekends during the offseason outside of the coaching, outside of the camps, just saying, hey, let me get my receivers in here. Let's go out on our football field and let's just run some routes. COVID kind of changed that. Couldn't do that this past offseason. Couldn't work that report. Maybe if things, you know, if things calm down, if we are, if we as a country, as a society, are working towards getting back to normal, if Carson says, "Hey, you know what? Last season, let's put last season at last season. Want y'all come on out here? We'll put on some masks. We'll slap on some hand sanitizer. Let's get on this football field. Let's run these routes." Let's let's get back to where we were. Let's get back to being a a division contender and let's work from there. You know, maybe something will be different. Maybe it could be different. Cause I feel like, you know, getting back to where we were at the beginning. Because I feel like you're making that same face you made when we talked about Dean or excuse me, Nick Sirianni. Being the coach, the uh, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's me here's, putting here's on putting on the 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 eagle green colored glasses. But I feel like see, that's the step. So here's my thing, and I tell you, like when I start thinking about the Eagles, and the same way you just went through the whole discussion about Wentz not being the only problem, there's, that means there's a lot to get fixed. Yeah, that is true. Given the salary cap situation, one of those things many people don't think about, but given the salary cap situation the Eagles are in, it's likely to get worse before it gets better. There are so many people mm. on this roster as of right now that are unlikely to be back next season as the Eagles have to look to shed around $70 million in salary mm. just to get to the cap. Not to give them room to sign anybody or yeah. anything. They have to shed that much money just to get under the cap. And then shed more to find a way to actually fill out their roster. But I think, honestly, but that would speak to, you know, Carson reestablishing himself as the leader. Because I feel like his his ability to lead is probably one of the biggest things that has come into question past his, uh, past his, uh, past his, uh, his performance. Mm-hmm. When you look past the the obvious questions about his performance, I think the next thing that has come into question is his ability to lead. So I think you go into this you go into this offseason pretty much knowing that Alshon's not going to be back, knowing that Deshaun Jackson's not going to be back. But you you still have 
there's probably a good chance J.J. Arthago Whiteside will be back. Will, will not be back, excuse me. Mm-hmm, but, but you're also looking at Ertz probably won't be back. Mm-hmm. Marquise Goodwin, who didn't play this year, he's probably not back. Mm-hmm. Jason Peters probably not back. There's a but chance what, Jason Kelsey's not back. There's but, a lot I, I of guess guys so. up and down this but, roster. But, there, but you 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 look at the you look at the players who are coming back, particularly particularly the younger guys. You know that's that's where I'm looking. The younger guys. And those are the guys you come in and say, hey, you know what? Look, expectations are going to be low. And your playing time will probably be high. Let's get in here. Let's work out. Let's build ourselves. Let's, let's, let us start this rebuilding process. You said they're, pro- they're probably stuck with Carson Wentz for about two more seasons. Next season and the season after that. At least, but at um, least we're gonna have to take a break. Come back, talk about that on the other side. Okay. Well, we we will talk about that because we also have there are also some issues that 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 uh there are also some issues with the coaching staff that I want to talk to you about. Mm-hmm. So we'll we will get into all that. All right. We'll get into all that right here on. Right here on the show, we'll talk, we'll, we'll talk about it. We're, we're going to get into a whole bunch. We, we, we ain't done. We definitely we, are, we definitely ain't done. All right, we'll be right back. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash B-I-T-W Sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Looking for uncommon talent? Meet the grads of life. They're not the typical candidates you're used to, but they're exactly who your company needs. An ideal fit for entry-level positions, internships, and even mentorships. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn more. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jonesy and Brian. Both you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brian. Alright you guys, we are back on the show. His name is Jonesy, my name is Brian. We talking uh, talked about basically what the Eagles need to do to get back to where they were, to move forward with this new coaching staff, with a, with a lot of turnover. We know there's going to be a lot of turnover. They're not going to look like they looked in 2020. That's that's a good thing. That's a good thing because it's like, look, they couldn't. Look. Is it? Yeah. Is it a good thing? Yeah, because they could. I- I don't know that it's a good thing. Not looking like you, not looking like you looked in it. Well, I'll, I'll put it to you like that, like this. They have the potential. They 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 have the potential for a really defined silver lining to what could be a very dark cloud next season. Like, I'm not saying they're going to bounce back and win the division next year or they're just going to be, you know, they're going to turn around and be a winner next year. That's not what I'm saying at all. 
But mm-hmm. there's a good chance that just like they didn't win the uh, just like they didn't make the playoffs in 2020, they might not make the playoffs in 2021. But All right, let's be honest about this, JB. I think there's a good chance this could be a two or three win team next year. You th- really? I'll, All right. Well, let's, let's, let's go ahead and talk about it. Okay. So your high price talent on this team. Who is it? That's your Alshons, your D-Jacks, your Jason Peters, your Jason Kelsey's, your Zach Ertz. Those are your high-priced talent. I think they're all going. They're likely all going. All of them. Your high-priced, quote-unquote, franchise QB, he, we we have no idea what shape he's going to be in the start yeah. of next year. Um, Let's see. Your offensive line might be in half-decent shape. Your defensive line, um, Hargraves, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Malik Jackson, we'll see what happens. Brandon Graham, we'll see what happens. Derek Barnett, we'll see what happens. Your linebacker position, Alex Singleton will probably be back. He TJ. actually deserved. He probably deserved another look after his performance. T.J. Edwards. T.J. Edwards probably will be back. Nate Gary, everyone's favorite. Why are you looking at me like that? Why? Are you, why are you looking at that? Why? I was why? 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 Football players. I, I I just named a football player. I named a guy on. I named a guy who who on the Eagles. Okay, so anyway, I, 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 um, come on, man, you are not going to be smirching the name of Nate Gary, Rodney McLeod. See what kind of shape. He's Why are in. you trying to move on before we talk about Nate Gary? Like I said, Rodney McLeod. We'll see what kind of condition he's in coming back from injury this year. If they bring him back next year, um, Jalen Mills at the safety position was not an overwhelming success. It wasn't terrible, but. It was nothing of note either. So I mean, this is the team we're looking about that has to shed over $70 million in salary. And then you have to remember Howie Roseman's the guy picking the replacement players. What about that says this team will be more than a, let's be generous, more than a four-win team next year? First of all, you are really disrespectful to Nate Gary. He, man, played the man. The man played football this year. That's 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 probably as about as best as is I can, I can say. Mm-hmm. But when the Eagles took the field this season, mm-hmm. Nate Gary was there. Mm-hmm. Of all the players on the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020, Nate Gary mm-hmm. was one of them. Mm-hmm. You will not disrespect Nate Gary like it. Nate Gary probably the second. Nate Gary the second best player from that 2017 draft. I say that because all the other players, except for uh, Derek Barnett, aren't on the team anymore. 
2017 draft. You got okay. Derek Barnett. You got Nate Gary. Sidney Jones not here. Rasul Butler. Uh, Rasul Butler. Excuse me. Rasul Douglas. Rasul Douglas. Rasul Butler. God bless his but, memory. Um, but Sidney Jones and Rasul Douglas both had better seasons than Nate Gary this year. Yeah, but he they. Just, but he not just for, happens to be the one that the, the he, one that survived. It. Yeah. He, I go as far as to say he's the second best player out that draft. That's a stretch. The Eagles just kept the wrong ones. That's all. For, no. They didn't, they didn't the, know how to they, use the other ones they, while they, they were here. They didn't keep the wrong ones. They drafted the wrong ones. But none, but no, but nonetheless, I I I do see your point. I do see what you what, you know what you were talking about, and you look at this roster and and I admit, you know, like I said in the last segment, a lot of this will be looking at this through green colored glasses. Mm-hmm. You know, the optimism is strictly coming. It, it, that's strictly some fan ish. You know, objectively, yeah. We'll, we'll, come September, we'll be, we will be waiting on the Sixers we'll, and the Flyers. And there's a good chance we'll just be waiting on pitchers and catchers, even though Philly season won't be over yet. Nah. So, and, but I, I feel like, like the Eagles are different. The Eagles are different because I feel like there is, there have been hopeless times when you're looking at the Phillies. You have gone into a Philly season and be like, yeah. and it's crazy because you're sitting there and you know that they got a hundred something games to play, and you're like, they're probably going to suck through eighty percent of them. Like you've had those times in your life. You felt mm-hmm. that way during the Sixers. You felt that way during the Flyers. There have been times, and, and, and maybe Flyers fans in that aspect are a little bit closer to Eagles fans where there, there is unexplained optimism. Mm-hmm. Like Flyers fans and Eagles fans will find some reason to be optimistic no matter what. You just laid it down on the line and you made a case for you made a strong, sensible case as to why there there, there might not be a lot to talk about. Or a lot to hang your hat on. Not coming up not in the coming season. Yeah. Not in twenty twenty one. But you know, but there's reason to be optimistic. Well, I shouldn't say there's re- people will find reason to be optimistic. They'll try. Yeah, there, you'll find an Eagles fan. They'll still be like, "Yeah, man, Eagles Super Bowl in 2021. Yeah, we go with it all, baby. E A G L E S Eagles. You, you know, you won't find that person. And you also know that weed's legal in a lot of states now. So not round here, you know. Well, Jersey, cross the bridge. You can go legal. cross the bridge, get that. That's a lot of Eagles fans right there. You think think a lot of Eagles fans go across the bridge, get some of you know, okay. get some of that that ooey. All, all them South Jersey fans, they'll be the ones telling you to go win the Super Bowl this year. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. They're, 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 a lot, they're a lot of real optimistic. A lot of them will have red cups like this, you know. <laughs> Drink, mm-hmm. Drinking lemonade. That, that's what I have today. It's always a good choice. 
it's even better when you put some whiskey in it. But you know that's that's <laughs> that's, that's another story. That's another story. All right, Rook. I, I wanted. I I honestly I wanted to get your take on this because this is kind of a narrative that came from the hiring of Nick Sirianni. Nick, not Dean, but Nick Sirianni. Did you believe that Deuce Staley deserved this job? I don't know. And I say that in all fairness to Deuce Staley, but the same way, if I'm going to say I don't know anything about Nick Sirianni, the Uh fact that Deuce Staley has been on the staff for as long as he's been on the staff in Philadelphia, Ed pretty much stayed in the same position, never called plays or anything else. <coughs> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. But with all that, that puts me in a situation where I don't actually know what Deuce would be like as a head coach. I have mm-hmm. no clue. I feel like... Uh, and the and, one thing sorry, I do know, the one thing I do know, though, is that Deuce was here. He was in-house when all the stuff that we complained about was going on. Mm. So I don't know. Yeah, like that's the that's as fair as I could be. I don't know. I will say this and 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 I I, I, I say this knowing that you as somebody who I've known for a couple of years now will keep me honest. Cause I know I'm I'm probably gonna start pl- this might sound like playing both sides of the fence. Okay. Because on one hand, you know, I, I've said it, and I said it on our last show. I I never thought that Deuce Daly was a serious consideration for the head coaching job or the offensive coordinator. I thought best case scenario is you go you go Eric Bieniemy. You go Eric Bieniemy, who is a branch off the Andy Reid tree. Mm-hmm. Eric Bieniemy comes in as head coach. You keep you keep Deuce and promote him to offensive coordinator, whether he calls plays or not. But you now give him the offensive coordinator under somebody under you know Deuce Staley has his ties to Andy Reid. You have mm-hmm. an Andy Reid guy running things. But I thought that if you were to if you were to go in a different direction, because you just had an Andy Reid guy in here and you fired him. So if you're saying, you know, we're not going back to the Andy Reid tree, we're going in a different direction. Once they decided they were going in a di- different direction, no, it, yeah, yeah, Deuce is out. Peace out, Deuce. And that's and not, to, I, and that's not to I, say I that Deuce. To, I do have to mention as well, though. I think there's another factor that we ha- have to consider is that what was it? I guess there were Doug was here for five years. Uh huh. And the worst football coach in NFL history is here for three years prior to that. So for the last eight years, there's been some sort of power struggle between coach and GM Mm. to, well, what happened with Howie Roseman and the two coaches ago, we all know that was well-documented. So we back to not, so we, we back to not putting, not saying his name on this show. 
I, I let it go last week. Mm-hmm. You let it go for a couple of weeks, but I, I mean, I'm, I, I, I will respect you. I will respect your wishes and respect <laughs> your, you know, your need for sanity and not put that man's name out there. I, I was just commenting on the fact that I thought we had had a breakthrough where we, for a couple of weeks, had actually said his name on these broadcasts, on these podcasts. But you're, we're, we're back to not saying him. We're, we're, we're back to not talking about him anymore. I, I had a temporary lapse, but I'm back. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, fair enough. That being said, and then now you're hearing reports where, even back to September, there were, were reports that Doug Peterson was almost willing to walk away from the Eagles then, mm. be, due to a quote unquote power struggle between him and some of the higher ups. Mm-hmm. So, I think. At some level, whether consciously or unconsciously, Mr. Laurie and Mr. Roseman wanted someone as the new hire who could be, for lack of a better word, controlled at least to some mm-hmm. degree. Okay. They didn't want someone who's going to come in and be looking for immediate power and personnel control and everything else. So that may have taken some candidates, including I possibly in my mind, even a B enemy who off didn't inter- end up interviewing with the Eagles at all mm-hmm. off the table. Yeah, no, I, I, I think, I think so. And, but I, and that's probably the case. And maybe that, that was probably, you know, that probably pl- played a role into the high, the original hiring of Doug Peterson. The only issue was in Doug Peterson's second year, he wins the Super Bowl. He won the Super Bowl. So you get those kind of results like that 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 quickly. You're going to want want, yeah, exactly, exactly. So to me, you know, I think it's an issue. Whereas if Dean Sirianni, Dean, that was the Sirianni. If Nick Sirianni, that was probably the most. If that was probably the most (laughs) natural of all the references this show. But if Nick Sirianni somehow finds his way to win a Super Bowl in one or two years, that's a bridge they'll cross when they get there. Mm-hmm. They they said, "Hey, you know, here's a guy that we can control. He's bringing in. And he, he seems to be bringing in a young, a, a a young coaching staff that hopefully, hopefully, will be here a while." And I feel like you know it's there's not gonna there's not gonna be a gray area. This this is either going to work or this is going to fail tremendously. This is going to be something where you're like, oh my, they tried something different. Wow, this worked. You know, this is something where they're either going to stumble their way into being the gold standard that they thought they you know that they've said they were for you know years. We got we went young. He got his coaching staff young. They grew with this team, you know, because like you said, mm-hmm. like you said, there's not there's not a lot of reason to think that this team will do much next year. Mm-hmm. And, so, I, and honestly, in all fairness, I hope I hope they give the coach enough room over the next year or two where he doesn't feel like he has to do reckless, foolish things trying to win now or 
or get fired in year one with this type of roster. I, I but once again, I think honestly that that and whether or not this works out this way, that speaks to this puts pressure on Howie Roseman. You got to bring in God. You have to bring in guys who one can play and two are culture guys. You need culture guys who can play. You don't want to bring in guys who can play who are going to be locker room problems with your young coaching staff. Because if you because while you're struggling through season 1 and possibly season 2, you don't want your star players being the guys causing trouble. You want to be able to establish culture. If you need if, to be able to depend on your leaders, your you want your high-priced mm-hmm. talent and your stars to be guys that yeah. you can depend on to help mold the future you need, Eagles, the, the future stars. You need future. some, yeah. If, if, if I may invoke some past name, you need some Brian Westbrooks in your locker room. You need some Jeremiah Trotters in your locker room. You know, you need some Malcolm Jenkins in your locker room. You need some Brian Dawkins in your locker room. Mm-hmm. You need to get some Trey Thomases in here. You know, people who will be here for a long. You need some Jason Kelseys. That's who you need. People who you can trust, who will buy into the culture. Pop, let me tell you something. Jason Kelsey is probably the most culturist, culture, most culturist culture guy I have ever seen in the name of sports. I knew Jason Kelsey was that guy from his rookie season. His rookie year was that Andy Reid 4-12 and season. Mm-hmm. And Dave Zingaro wrote a story. It's, it's crazy because I brought it up, and I think I feel, I feel like Dave Zingaro forgot that he wrote that, the story. But I said, Jason Kelsey, I knew Jason Kelsey was that dude when – he was pulling into the Novacare Center, and some dudes were across the street from the Novacare Center with a big sign that said "Fire Andy." Mm. And Jason, Ke- and Jason Kelsey pulled up on him. Was like, "Nah, you, you know, take that down, get that out of here. No, we we ain't doing that." This was his rookie year, standing up for his coach. Mm-hmm. Jason Kelsey has stood up for Andy. Jason Kelsey has stood up for the coach that I'm respecting you and not putting his name out there for. Jason Kelsey has stood up for Doug. Jason Kelsey has stood up for Carson. And Howie. And Howie. That's who you need. You need a guy that says, hey, this is the guy who's in charge. So I, you know, my Jason elite. Kelsey is a guy you want to go into the foxhole with. Yes. He's a guy yes. you, you happily go yes. to war with. Yes. Eagles need some guys like that. They need new Kelseys. Absolutely. They need new they need to find some guys like that. You know, it's like you look and, and it's we have you know when we have talked Eagles, when you and I have jumped in front of a microphone to talk Eagles, you know, one of the big things that we have talked about, you know, I, I keep up a list and and unfortunately now it, that's just this has just been a part of my resources and that I pull up their past draft picks. And it's like, you, you need guy. We need guys starting now. You need, 
you need guys that when we're doing a podcast two, three years from now and we're looking at the 2021 draft, say, hey, that was a good some cornerstone guys. Mm-hmm. That will go a long way in the success of Nick Sirianni. That will go a long way in the salvaging and saving of Carson Wentz. Because the problem. But this brings me back to what I asked you before. Do you trust Howie Roseman to do it? No, I don't trust Howie. He hasn't given me a reason to trust Howie Roseman, but the GM's never going to fire himself. Then what reason do I have to be excited about where this team's going to go? You got to find the reason. See, here's the problem. I got, I, got the, I got the glasses. You don't yeah, have no glasses on. You remember when Doug Peterson was still employed here, we had a conversation yes. about what we thought the Eagles should do. And my response was, I don't want to see them do anything unless Roseman's the first one out the door. Because he's the one who's been responsible for all of the people that have come in and out the organization over the last eight years. Yes. The people he invent, the people he ends up having power struggles with and fighting with were his hires. Mm-hmm. The, the, the bad draft picks, the bad contracts, those are on his watch. So, no, I'm, I'm with you. I, I'm with you. You know, it, but the problem is he didn't fire himself. Roseman's still here, so you're sit, So we are forced with the task of trying to figure out where this team goes from. Where this team goes from here, can they go anywhere from here? And you know what what else what else can be done? You know, it we there was a three there was a three pronged problem at the end of the season. You had a quarterback who was underperforming, mm-hmm. underperforming and just flat out bad. You had a, a a coach with questionable play calling. Might have been over his head. Mm-hmm. Probably needed somebody else in his ear. Didn't want to do that. Then there was a, just a general and, dearth of talent on the roster. And it was a general dearth of talent all, who were all brought in by the same guy. Mm-hmm. They, had, they took on one of those problems. One of those issues. That was a three-pronged issue. They addressed one thing. Quarterback's still here. Mm-hmm. GM's still here. Mm-hmm. Draft is months away. And you're not going to turn. And no, and it's not like there's somebody in this year's draft that you feel like will just turn around the fortunes immediately. No, I don't see I don't see that, which is why I think this is going to be at least a two- to three-year process. But I will say that while you are in the midst of your fire sales, try to get under the the cap, Mm -hmm. you do have the opportunity, and I stress the word opportunity, Mm -hmm. to flip some of these players and older contracts into draft capital which as far as I'm concerned this will be Howie Roseman's most important draft of his career Mm. because he's got to hit on 
Let's see. If you have seven picks, seven rounds, I'm sure they'll have a couple extra picks in there somewhere. But let's call it seven picks. If you have seven picks, they've got to hit on five this year. Yeah. Normally, you, it's you say three or four, but in the situation they're in, they've got to hit on five. I will say this, and, and this is this is a point that I, you know, every time we talk draft, I need the top of their draft to be ready to play week one. I think if you're picking number six, that sh- it should be a given. Mm-hmm. That whoever they pick in the first round, because they're Start. picking so high, is starting. I just like whoever they pick at the, at this point. I I just believe they're they're that's a start, unless unless they some they go they go quarterback. That's what they you know and and who who knows and we'll talk we'll we'll get in the draft in later we, weeks. We have time. We have time to get in the draft, but I just think you know just just for conversation's sake, because because you're with me on this. Mm-hmm. Their first round pick is going to start week one. I need their second round and possibly their third round. Oh, I need to definitely need to not possibly definitely top three rounds of starters. I need four and five round picks to be able to contribute. Okay, that's the t- that's okay. the situation they're in this year. Uh, I say I'm, they need like they need to be able to hit on five picks. I'm with you. I'm with you. First round pick starter. Okay, second round pick. They they need a starter. They need somebody who can come in and be high on the depth chart. I I don't mm-hmm. need I don't need no projects in the top of their in, in, in the top of their draft. No projects. No, hey, he could be the next. No, I need y'all need to draft some guys who can be the now. Mm-hmm. You know, y'all could be some guys to be whether they draft a DB in the first round, whether they draft a wide receiver in the first round. I think if they draft a wide receiver, you need to know he can come in and be the number one. Yep. If you draft a, a DB, you need a guy who you know can come in and play that other half of the field yes. with, from Slay. And I, I now th- both both one, the sides are covered. One thing that Darius Slay brought to this brought to this team, and 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 I say this because it's almost time for us to get out of here. But one thing Darius Slay brought to this team was he brought the ability for this team to play more man. You saw them play a lot more man defense than they had in previous seasons before they brought Darius Slay in here. If you, you bring need, in another corner, you bring in another quarterback. Slay. Yes, opposite Slay, who can then solidify that. I think honestly, if you're not if you're not necessarily able to to better your your front four, mm-hmm. I think if you have another cornerback who can who who is better in man, that will make your – that will make – A guy who can hold up in coverage gives your front four more time to get there. Yes. Yes. The front end and the back end of your defense works together. If your front end can get there quickly, your set back end doesn't have to cover as long. Yes. But there are times where you need the back end to be able to hold up in coverage yes. to allow the front four to get there. So, to me, you get you get a strong DB in, at that six pick. I'm good. Mm-hmm. You go defense, I'm good, but that guy better start. All I'm saying is at number six, I want somebody from Alabama. Okay. I want somebody from Alabama at number six. All right. You know what? Uh, I'm good with that. And then, you know, you can pick, you want to go DB, wide receiver. You got options, but I want somebody from Alabama at number six. If Howie was six. really, if Howie was the genius that he that he thinks he is, he'd get two Alabama players in the in, in, in the top. In the, in the second round, I, I still want can, you to though. stay in the SEC. I want you to stay in the SEC for the top three rounds. Matter of fact, 
that's all we that's all we're doing this year. No SEC need to be out there. All right. I'm we're with not trying that. to be cute, not trying to reinvent the wheel. We're going with guys who we know played high level football mm-hmm. and performed it and performed in those situations. I'm and with you. we're gonna go from there. I'm with you. I'm with you. Well, look, there'll be plenty of time to talk about that. There'll be plenty of time to talk football because next week we got a Super Bowl to talk about. It's not going to mm-hmm. be a Super Bowl with the Eagles in it, but, you know, hey, it, it is what it is. It is what it is. But, look, if you got thoughts, if you got opinions on what we said, hit us up. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at BITW Sports, and at Jonesy and Brown. We're everywhere. Just hit us up. Give us your uh, give us your opinions. Talk to us. We here. We ain't going. We, we here. We ain't going nowhere. All right. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com/slash/bitwsports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Looking for a job worth talking about? Teaching is creative, collaborative, and intellectually challenging. See why teachers have better work stories at teachdfw.org and learn more about becoming a teacher. Brought to you by Teach and the Ad Council. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. Work. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Both you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Brown. All right, all right, all right, all right. Look, man, that's Mike Jones. I'm John Brown. Welcome to the show. Talking 76s today. Talking your team, your town, your 76ers. On Wednesday, Sixers beat the Lakers. There'll never be a time in life where that won't be good. There'll never be a time in life when a win over this, uh, the L.A. Lakers ain't a good thing. I'm always here for beating the Lakers. The question is, how telling is that win? How, you know, is that, is, is, can that be used? Can that be considered a statement game? I ask you, Mike Jones. Um, I'm looking at my calendar. Uh-huh. January. January. Yes, it is January. Okay. So then I'm going to have to go with no. No, no statement. I mean, this, 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 isn't, uh, this isn't something. It's a regular season game. At home for the Philadelphia 76ers. And they are known to perform very well at home during yes. the regular season. Yes. Even under Brett Brown, not having any shooters prior to all of that, this was a team that performed well at home during the regular season. So with the new coach, the retooled roster, and everything else to win a game by one point at home when you were up significantly with a few minutes to go in the game, it's, yeah, we know they have the talent to play with anybody, but you, 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 wow. What am I really, what did I learn about like the show? We're not even three minutes into the show. You just killed all the joy, man. 
just just rained on the parade, peed on the cornflakes, whatever you want to, you know, whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong. You know I'm a fan they beat the Lakers. of the Sixers. They I'm, beat LeBron. I like how this team is constructed. And yeah, you like LeBron. You beat LeBron. And hopefully that builds some confidence. Beat LeBron and AD. They had them both. No, no load management. Yeah. But whether or not the Sixers had the talent to compete with the teams at the top of the league was never in question. Mm-hmm. The question is, how are they going to do in a seven-game series? How are they going to do when they have to go on the road? Things like that. And I still don't have answers to those questions. You still don't have answers to that. But I, I think there is a cause to there, – there's reason to believe. And I'll, I'll put it to you like this. I like – I like the mix of younger players and veterans. Danny Green kind of started mm-hmm. the he started the season kind of slow, but he start he's played better ball. Mm-hmm. Seth Curry uh, missed some games, but has still been a, a, a good contributor. They went out they went out this this off season. You know, as much as you and I have talked about the need for spacing, the need for shooting. They went out and got some shooters. You know, they got Mm -hmm. some people who put the, who will will go and get you buckets, get you Mm -hmm. jumpers. The spacing is better. The offense seems to flow better. Absolutely. There's now, now granted, all of these things are improvements. This but, team has improved, and, and, but I, I will tell you this. All right, I I feel like I, I feel like they improved, but it, they're they're they tweaked. They kind of tweaked what Elton Brand was trying to do last year. I felt right, like let me, El- ask you, okay. let me ask you a question, What's up, man? JB. In the last season. What would you have said the major questions about the 76ers were? I think the major questions about the 76ers were who's who's going to hit jumpers? You know, okay. They when other teams got when other teams went on runs. Mm-hmm. Who is the guy who's going to hit that shot to stop that run? Okay. Who's that run stop who is that run stopping shooter? Let me ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Who's the run stopper now? I think it's a collective effort. I think it's you can it can be Seth, it can be Danny. Tobias is playing better ball. Okay, so Seth, Danny, and Tobias. Did last night's game answer the question for you? And Tobias hit the game with it. Mm-hmm. But did last night's game answer any of the questions for you about whether or not these guys can get it done against the playoff competition in the playoffs? It, did, is I, that a did those questions get answered for you? Did they get answered last night? No. Mm-hmm. But I think and that, and but, that was mm, the, sorry, and, and when you said I like I took the air out the room, I, that wasn't necessarily what my intention was. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, coming out of last night's game, I don't know anything about the Sixers that I didn't know going okay. into the game. Okay. Okay. Fair that enough. was that was more see, of what, see, I, there what you, I meant. There you, I, I feel the air coming back. I feel, okay. Because Not, I feel, because I, I will put it to you like this. Now I understand 
we we talk about this. We said you can only play the teams that are on your schedule. Mm-hmm. But I, we ha- you know, team hasn't played Brooklyn yet. Hasn't played Milwaukee yet. Mm-hmm. Played Boston. Played Boston well without Tatum. Without without Tatum, but still, but they I played I, them well. But they played them without their best player. I I will tell you, the way they played them. Do you feel like Tatum makes that that much of a? Do you feel like they wouldn't be able to do what they did against Boston if Tatum was there? Again, I feel like they have the talent to compete with Boston. No question. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That, like, I, but I, I don't. I don't think it was a question that they had the talent to compete with Boston in previous years either. It's simply a matter of how the talent comes together. And this year, like you said, it seems like there's a better blend of of personalities versus a better blend of skill sets on Mm -hmm. the court that allows the team to have a better flow to their offense. No questions about that. Mm -hmm. But we knew that after game one, game two this year, that the players complimented each other better. The questions we have now are, okay, so if you get into a tight game against a playoff team and somebody needs to be able to create a shot for themselves or others, do you have a guy that can do that still? I still don't know. Mm -hmm. I still don't know. Tobias was able to exploit a mismatch against Caruso, who's a little undersized in that matchup, and that's not going to be the case in every situation where you could just take it take advantage of a mismatch. A lot of times you're really going to need somebody who can make a play, go get a bucket for themselves or a teammate. And your one ball handler on this team, your one true playmaker is a guy who's usually shying away from having the ball in his hands in those big moments because he doesn't like to shoot and doesn't shoot free throws particularly well either. Mm -hmm. So I still have that question. If we're in a tough game, a tight game down the stretch and down one, down two, and this team's your play, your opponent's really locked in defensively, who's going to create that shot? I still don't know. So let me ask you this question. Because I feel like despite the fact that the, the Philadelphia 76ers are 13-6, and six, mm-hmm. number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I know it's January, but – if they're going to release this, if they're going to release the, that, uh, that matters. If you they're going to release the standings, if they're going to make the standings public, then you might as well say something about it. Thirteen and six. Thirteen and six is thirteen and six. I'm not going to adopt mm-hmm. that. They're winning games, playing well, playing good basketball, playing good basketball. Wins over. I mean, you can only they got they they have wins. They have mm-hmm. quality wins. They've beaten Boston. They've beaten the Lakers. My question to you is because I feel like. Philadelphia as a fan base. Philadelphia is 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 a yeah but town. No matter what team it is, no matter what they're doing, there's always going to be a yeah but. And I feel like that yeah but is once again Ben Simmons and his unwillingness to shoot. I ask you, are you over Ben Simmons? Are you over Ben Simmons? What do you mean when you say over? Like, look, he is. You and I have gone back and forth. Like, about, am I ready for him to go? Is it re- ready, ready for him to go? Is it is like, look, man, he is what he is. You know, are you over him? Or is it like, 
we before the trade to Brooklyn, mm-hmm. Philadelphia was a potential a, a potential suitor for a James Harden trade. I didn't want to trade Ben Simmons. You didn't want to trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. No. Why not? Harden is thirty-one years old. Ben Simmons is twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Harden is definitely at a point of his career where he is what he is, and you. I heard reports to just today where um. I believe it was Tim Legler saying that the reports coming out of the Brooklyn Nets are there are starting to have some problems because James Harden is the one who's not really sharing the ball with his teammates. Um, James Harden has never been known to be a defensive stopper. And as we've both already said, the team this year seems to have a good flow to their offense. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't want to disrupt that by bringing in a Harden for Ben Simmons because the other part of that is if you get rid of Ben Simmons for James Harden, not only are you asking James Harden to be your primary scorer, but he's also going to have to be your primary ball handler Mm -hmm. because there's no one else on the roster who can really do that job at a high level. Mm-hmm. Which means you've got the ball in bent in Harden's heads all the time. Not a, not a scenario I'd be looking forward to. So so for me, I'd rather have what Ben Simmons brings to this team than what James Harden could have potentially brought to this team. But there are people absolutely losing their minds who felt like Philly was so stupid to not like like there there were people who were like you know I don't know if I would trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. Because quite frankly, I'm not quite I am not quite sure that James Harden makes them so much better as a whole. Like, Mm-mm. yes, James Harden will come in. Would. James Harden, especially if he was able if Harden was able to get the buckets that he could get and mm-hmm. and B could still play at the level he's been playing at this year. Mm-hmm. You're still talking about you know, Harden putting up 30, 35 points a game and B putting up close to 30 points a game. But look Look what they sacrificed defensively. Mm-hmm. This would be a team that gives up 130 points a game. You know, for everything. Easily. easily. For everything that you said. For everything that you said. And so it's like, I look at where this team is. And quite frankly, and I'm a, I'm going to be real. It's like, I we talked about this yesterday. And we said we we would talk about this today. Because you see that Brooklyn is going out there trying to get a big man, trying to get some size, because they have no rim protectors. Mm-hmm. I think, as currently made up, I think I like Philly's chances against uh, Brooklyn. As currently constructed, as, cu- as, yes, as currently constructed, I, I would expect Brooklyn to make some moves on their front line. Yeah, yeah. like before right, the year is over. Like right, but well, here's the thing, and and, and but the names that they have talked about are names that don't necessarily scare me. If you're a Sixers fan, do you really care if they bring in Andre Drummond? A man who ha- a man who right here, this for those watching on Facebook, this part of Andre Drummond's brain 
is currently owned by Joel Embiid. He owns this part. It's his. It belongs to him. At this point, and, 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 let's, and, and let's keep going. If you watch what Joel Embiid has been doing this year, are you afraid of Kevin Love? Are you afraid of JaVel McGee? Now, granted, yes, they need rim protectors. And those are guys that 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 can do a job. But say they were able to find a way to bring in a Kevin Love. I don't know if the money works for that one. Or someone of that ilk plus mm-hmm. a JaVale McGee to be a rim protector. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I'm very nervous. Okay. And and when you have a roster like this in today's NBA, the those are the type of teams, your veteran free agents, your role players who are available, who fit a specific need, tend to gravitate to. So, again, I don't think what we see now from the Nets roster will be the final form it takes once you reach that mm-hmm. March, April stretch leading up into the playoffs. You know? So... Like, I wouldn't be surprised if, and I like this guy, but I wouldn't be surprised if if Brooklyn were to trade a Spencer Dinwiddie mm, yeah. to, to bring in, because he, he's a, excuse me, he's a guy who would have some value and could probably bring bring in a solid big in return to help shore up your front line. What would you, I, I guess... When you say a solid big in return, are you talking about a solid big other than the names that we've heard? We've heard Andre Drummond, we've heard Kevin Love, we've heard JaVel McGee. Like Honestly, who? for what for what the Brooklyn Nets needs are, there are a lot of options. Okay. Because you don't really need anybody who's an offensive weapon at all. Mm-hmm. Run the floor, rebound, block shots, finish at the rim. You can do that. We can pl- we can win games with you. Mm-hmm. That's all they actually need out of their big man. They have, they've got buckets to spare on that team. They do. So, on the flip side, then let's bring it back to the Sixers, mm-hmm. because this is, you know, this is a game of chess, not checkers. You see, you see Brooklyn making a move. What type of move do you think that the Sixers would need to make to counteract that? Uh, so there are a couple things the Sixers could still use. Mm-hmm. They could use a second ball handler, someone who's capable of creating a shot for himself and others. They could also use someone who's capable of playing the backup four spot at a decent level as well. Those are the two positions areas of need I could see the Sixers looking to add some help. Right now backup four is Mike Scott and after him there's nobody else on the roster who plays the four position. Mm. So you've got Tobias, Mike Scott, Ben Simmons, I guess you could play there. Yeah. And that's it. Alright, got so, a uh got a quick uh viewer uh viewer comment. Said we don't have anyone to guard KD or Harden at the end of the day on the perimeter. Our bench may be our only saving grace. Do you agree or disagree with that? 
I disagree. Um, well, if you're talking about specifically those guys, KD or Harden, there is no one that can quote unquote guard them. If you're talking about take them out the game, shut mm -hmm. them down, these guys are too talented for that. No, of course, nobody can do that. So to that end, nobody in the league has a guy who could do that. But if you're talking about being able to make these guys work hard for everything, Ben Simmons on the perimeter is one of the best defensive play options in the league to guard someone like Katie. So to that end, you actually, outside of LeBron and Giannis, who else would you rather have guard Katie than Ben Simmons? So you put Ben. So you put Ben on. You put Ben on. On KD, mm -hmm. and I want to. I, I wanted. I honestly wanted to get your opinion. You throw multiple bodies at Harden. You throw multiple. Danny Green, Thibault. They're all decent Yo, plus speak, level defenders. Speak on Thibault. I want multiple bodies to throw at Harden. Speak on Thibault this year. We haven't really talked about him this year because he struggled offensively. But I feel he's like he's finding his way. He's, he's got to make the jump shot more consistent so that he can earn his minutes. But he's capable of being a solid contributor for this team, especially yeah. off the bench in that second unit. But I, I, I love what he's doing on the defensive end. It's Absolutely. like he's let, he's letting his defense keep he, he, it would be easy to see how he has struggled offensively and think that he's just going to, you know, There'll be less and less minutes, and he's going to find his way out of the rotation. But he's playing defense at a level that keeps him in the rotation. You talk Absolutely. about who's going to defend on, you know, who's going to defend a KD or a James Harden. It's like, look, you you know that James Harden is going to get you some buckets, mm -hmm. but you know how James Harden will get you buckets. James Harden will get you thirty five points on seventy two shots. Mm -hmm. If but, I can make him shoot with become a volume shooter yeah. who has to dominate the ball and yes. play in isolation to score his points where the rest of his teammates are taking a take it out of rhythm and end up just kind of stand around white waiting for him to give them the ball at the end of the shot mm. clock if he gets triple team i'll live with that offense and i'll live with whatever numbers harding gets in that offense now what you don't want to see the Brooklyn Nets do is develop some sort of flow to their offense where they're playing motion and trusting each other. They do that. I don't even really care about their defense. They're going to score 160 points a night. So, but back to the question that got us talking about defense to begin with, Ben Simmons is the answer to who's going to guard these guys. Thibel and Danny Green are both also very good defenders. Danny Green, a little bit more of a veteran, so he's not mm. as fleet of foot as he used to be, but he definitely is a very smart, heady defender who knows where to be, how to read the court. And Thibel, he's has great natural defensive instincts and the young legs to go with it. So defense is not necessarily my concern for the Sixers on the perimeter this year. Um, Seth Curry, like last year, you used to always hear me really get worried when teams had smaller, quick guards mm -hmm. that I felt like we didn't have anybody who could match up with. Your 
Terry Rozier's, your Kimball Walker's, those guards of that ilk. While Seth Curry may not be a lockdown defender, mm-hmm. he's at least not a liability. Yeah. I don't feel bad with him out there playing defense. Seth Curry is Seth Curry is not JJ Reddick. Right. Whereas JJ Reddick could come in when you had when the Sixers had JJ Reddick, you knew you had a guy who could hit a jumper in clutch moments, but you also knew that at some point in time you would need him to play defense and then all bets are off. Seth Curry is not that guy. Now that Seth Curry don't have COVID no more, you know, you can count on him and he could be he I, I like him defensively. I, I like I said they for the first time in a long time these dudes got guys that can shoot. Mm-hmm. There are people on this roster that can shoot, and the Sixers haven't had that in a long time. No, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, it it, it feels just like go back just to three seasons ago. You had JJ Redick, Ersan Ilyasova, Marco Mario Bell, Marco Bellinelli. Mm-hmm. Um. You had guys on that team that could shoot. Problem with those guys was all of your shooters were defensive liabilities. Mm-hmm. So when you put them on the court, you were sacrificing the ability to guard anyone on the other end. Mm-hmm. And additionally, Bellinelli and J.J. Redick, who were perimeter players, weren't very adept at putting the ball on the court either. So they were liabilities in that aspect as well so it's not just the shooting but you have shooters that are actually ball players and not just shooters mm-hmm. real quick uh shout out to my man Kareem made this comment he says curry is a liability against the nets you agree or disagree well if, it, if that's in regards to my statement that i don't feel like curry is a liability defensively curry versus Kyrie. Kyrie probably wins that matchup in a one-on-one setting, but I don't want to go to X and O here to try to explain this. No, no, no. Now go X and O with Ring. You could you could go X and O. It's all right. Go ahead. But but there there are ways where when I have a guy who I may not be able to guard one-on-one, but team, if that guy. If I'm able to bait him into over dribbling or over shooting, even though I the fact that I can't guard him can actually be detrimental to him and his team. Mm-hmm. If I can bait him into making bad decisions because he thinks he has a favorable matchup, and Kyrie is the type of guy who could be susceptible to those to those type of things. Yeah, JB, you've heard me talk about that little guy on the shoulder on one mm-hmm. go away you're nice go ahead that's yeah. the team mm-hmm. that's the team you know that guy yeah so in that sense i don't necessarily again i don't necessarily think curry will be a liability it's it's i, I don't want i'm not calling him a strength at any point but I'd call I'd call him a scratch level defender, you know, where mm-hmm. I'm not it's not a minus, I would not necessarily a plus either, but I can live with it, especially if I have multiple other good defenders out there with him. Mm-hmm. 
similar to um, how Steph Curry was in Golden State's championship years, Golden State was ranked as one of the top team d- defenses in the league. Steph Curry, not a great one-on-one defender by any stretch, mm-hmm. but by knowing where to be, knowing how to read passing lanes and angles, you can become an adequate, if not good, team defender. And I think a lot of people confuse team defensive concepts with the idea of being one-on-one lockdown type defender. And a lot of guys aren't that in the NBA these days. That's a very difficult thing to be is that one-on-one lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. But what you can be is a guy who gives effort and is a very good team defender. Is this based on hope? Like you hope that Steph Curry will be that guy. Let's Steph, Seth Curry will be that guy. Is that more hope, or is that more what you've seen? Like, like what do you what do you base that on? What do you mean? Like, is that hope, or I don't think I said that Seth Curry's a lockdown defender. Mm-hmm. I don't think I said Seth Curry will win that matchup or take Kyrie out of his game or anything like that. What I am saying is that Seth Curry is a guy who is willing to give effort on defense, and he's a w- guy who's a smart enough player to be in the right spots mm-hmm. on defense. Yeah. That's, that's not hope. That is a understanding of play when you watch tape you get players tendencies and what most people don't understand most people miss about basketball like in players in close games and tight situations players generally revert to instinct so like again it's not a matter of seth curry stopping somebody Mm -hmm. it's about it's a matter of seth curry playing good team defense if if that makes any sense seth curry Curry is a good team defender in the end you know how we have watched Kyrie enough times we know the type of player Kyrie is and what you can force Kyrie to to do Mm -hmm. Kyrie is somebody who when you if you put forth a level of defensive effort to him. He's going to dribble more. And then you, he's going to dribble more to figure it out. What he's not going to do, what what he's not going to do if you're playing hard-nosed defense on him, if you're, if you're big, and not necessarily lockdown, because we know Kyrie's too good of a player to lock down. I know that Seth Curry, we're not, nobody's saying that Seth Curry is going to lock down Kyrie Irving. But what you're saying is you can you can play defense, a level of team defense that will take them out of their offensive rhythm. Exactly. A, a, a level of defense that'll take like nobody like nobody's gonna nominate Seth Curry to be defensive player of the year anytime soon. Nobody's saying nobody's saying that. But what I am saying is, and I I think what you are saying, and and, and correct me if I'm wrong. Let me know if I'm wrong, and and I and I know you'll do that. <laughs> but I think you, Seth Curry, can do an adequate job, and and that's all you can ask for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you I'm, know, I'm, stay I'm, stay I'm on him. Guys like KD, Harden, Durant, 
I'm not looking to uh, for my perimeter guys to be locked down per se guys as much as I'm looking for them to disrupt the flow of the team's offense to a point where mm-hmm. I can have them playing one on one rather than five on five. I th- that is what I'm that is what you do to a team like that. You I, I would you I, have to pick your poison at some point when you have that many weapons on off on the team. I'm not saying that Seth Curry is going to lock down Kyrie Irving, but I think if Seth Curry can make Kyrie Irving work to cook Seth Curry, that's going to take Brooklyn out of their game. Because then you have Kyrie working hard. Mm-hmm. There's still 24 seconds in the clock. You have Kyrie with the ball working to try and figure out Seth Curry. That's 24 seconds that James Harden doesn't have the ball. That's 24 seconds that KD doesn't have the ball. Is Kyrie that person that will say, hey, I'm frustrated. Let me give the ball up and let me work my way back around the, uh, the court to try and figure this out. I'm not saying like like Kyrie's going to get his buckets, but it's how he gets his buckets that's the problem. Exactly. That's the issue. Like I don't like I look at the Sixers team the way they're currently constructed. Now Brooklyn can still make a move, Philly can still make a move. That's still all that's still, you know, that's still up, you know, remains to be seen. It's January. But at this point, I don't believe that the Sixers are out of their league against Brooklyn. Mm. Brooklyn's not head and shoulders above the Sixers. Don't let people tell you that. Brooklyn, that that team is not a perfectly constructed team. No. They have their own flaws. No, yeah, exactly. Exactly. They have, they have flaws that can be exploited just like anyone else. All right. Uh, Reams all over this show. Says, uh, six is. Let's see what he said. I'm, I'm trying to, uh, I'm trying to bring up all these comments. He's, he's, he's losing his mind in the comment section. He said, We're gonna have problems scoring. Are we gonna have problems scoring? Are we gonna have problems scoring? I just watched, um, I just watched, I, I just watched Embiid hang 28 on, uh, on, on, on the Lakers. Tobias had 24. Ben had a triple-double. Well, I think that goes back to what we were saying. The I'm, questions mm-hmm. about the Sixers still are. On the come playoff time against good teams and come road games and such, that is the question that still has to be answered. Yeah, mm-hmm. like we've said, their offense has had a better flow to it to this point. But especially without adding a second ball handler or someone who's adept at creating shots for himself and others, there it is possible that the Sixers ha- go through stretches where they struggle to score. Now, mm-hmm. that I agree with Reem completely. This team could definitely has issues in that department where they could, be, could struggle and go through lulls offensively. Mm-hmm. If anything is going to be the concern for the Sixers, yeah, that would be it. So is that so? Do you would you say that the Sixers need to they need to add scoring, playmaker? You look at the Sixers' upcoming schedule, and I think this is 
I think this next week and a half, this next two weeks, will be very mm-hmm. telling. A lot of road games, a lot of tougher teams. You're looking at Minnesota. You're looking at Indiana. You're looking at Charlotte. You got home against Portland. And Saturday the 6th, next Saturday, you got Brooklyn coming to town. First time against Brooklyn this year. Mm-hmm. You got Minnesota. I mean, look at this this schedule. This, this is telling. Because you got a, a, a you got two tough road trips ahead of you. You're going to Minnesota, to, to Indiana, to Charlotte. You come home against Dame Lillard in Portland, home against uh, Brooklyn. And then you got a West Coast trip where you go to uh, Sacramento, to Portland, to Phoenix, to uh, Utah. Then you come home against Houston. So it's reckoning time for this team. We could be back in two weeks, and we'll be sitting, we'll be doing one of those "What's wrong with the Sixers?" show. My question to you is: What do what do the Sixers lean on as they go as they go forward? Uh, you got Friday against Minnesota. You got Indiana. You got Charlotte. Then you got Portland and Brooklyn. That's five games. What do you? Where do you see the Sixers next five games? Indiana, that should be a win. Charlotte should be a win. Portland, Portland at home. A, that'll be a tough one. Um, Brooklyn, that'll be a tough one as well. Mm-hmm. I think you probably get out of that stretch with three winning three out of five. Uh, yeah, I, I'd give them three out of five wins. Three out of five wins. So they you you, you can see three and two. Mm-hmm. Three and two. All right. I mean, for five, for for a stretch where you got three road team, three road games, two home mm-hmm. games, two tough home games, two tough home games. Even though you played better on the, uh, you played better at home. I, I, you know, I could live with that. Reem said, and I'll I'll let this be the last comment of, of the night. We're trash without MB. And unfortunately, I don't have an argument for that. I can't sit there and say, "Hey, man, you wrong," because because they have struggled without him. But we'll fig- we'll figure that out. Without him, beat there's nobody else on offense that's capable of drawing a double team, so it gets a whole lot easier to defend that team. Yeah, and he's the anchor of your defense as well, or your best rim protector. So, mm-hmm. like, given the two, that team's a complete. They're night and day without him. Well, I'll put it to you like that. You. Saying everything that you just said, does that make his case for MVP stronger? Absolutely. This, right now is right now. This season, he's he's top three, top two MVP race at this point. January twenty eighth, two thousand twenty one. I'm asking you, is Joel Embiid the NBA MVP? He would have my vote right now. Okay. All right. All right. Well, there we go. Hey, let us know what you think of this. Hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at B-I-T-W Sports, or hit us up at J 
Jonesy and Brown. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Jonesy and Brown. Three words, Jonesy and Brown. My name is John Brown. That's Mike Jones. Back in the day, like a long time ago, like sometime in the 90s, people ain't want Mike Jones. It's a rough life. But now, 2021, things have changed. Now I'm high. So what happened? Stay tuned next week. <laughs> nah, man, we ain't waiting till next week. I'm gonna let the cat out of the back. They all want him. They all want him. All of them. Every last one of them. They want Mike Jones. Y'all take care. We'll talk to you guys next week. Peace, y'all. Peace. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash B-I-T-W sports or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Brown.